0: Please pray with me this morning. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A friend of mine who is a pastor, she recently returned from a trip with her church to the Holy Land. And she and I got dinner a few weeks back and she was telling me stories from their time there. One morning, during their jam-packed schedule and itinerary, the group was walking to one of the many exciting places that was on their schedule and they passed a bench. No one really paid any attention to it, except for my friend, who recognized instantly what sat on top of this bench. It was homeless Jesus. Have you ever heard of Homeless Jesus? Has anyone? Raise your hand. A couple people? For those of you who haven't, Homeless Jesus is a sculpture. Actually, it's a series of sculptures that was created by a famous artist named Timothy Schmalls, I believe is how you pronounce it. And it's of Jesus wrapped in this cloth and lying on a bench. And apparently, they're everywhere. They're in Ireland, Washington, D.C., Singapore, New York City, Belgium, Scotland, England, Rome, Hungary, and Israel. And the only way that one can identify it is by looking at it very carefully. Because you can't really see Jesus at all. You can't see his face. You really can't see his body. You kind of just see the outline of some human underneath the clothes that he's draped in. But in each statue, one of his hands or feet are sticking out and there's a nail mark in it. Now the statue is supposed to be a symbolic reminder of Jesus' solidarity with the poor and the need to notice and to take care of people, especially those who need it most and those who we don't often see. And the statue actually was created to visually represent Jesus' reminder to his disciples in Matthew 25 that he can be found among the poor. When he said to the disciples, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of one of these brothers or sisters of mine, you what? Did for me, right? And as my friend's church rushed from religious site to religious site, and we're probably hoping for some special spiritual encounter with Jesus along the way in this holy place. They missed it. They missed the opportunity to notice, maybe even to show compassion for what looked like a homeless beggar that turned out to be Jesus after all. Were they just busy or super excited to get to the next spot on their trip? Maybe there were a lot of people and there were a lot of distractions and new experiences that were disorienting them. For those of us who've traveled before, we certainly know what that's like. Did they just think that maybe it was one among a lot of homeless beggars that they had seen along the way that they passed on the journey and maybe they didn't know what to do or how to help that person? Maybe they were just tired and jet-lagged and they didn't see the statue, I don't know. But I thought about my friend's story this week as I read our gospel text. It seems to me that people are moving in this gospel story at a particularly frenetic pace. The disciples are rushing excitedly to gather around Jesus after coming back from being sent out two by two, and they're firing off about all the teachings and all the miracles they'd done. They're fighting to be heard for all the amazing things they had seen. And then the crowds watch the disciples and Jesus get into a boat and head off to some place, and they hurry on foot ahead of them. They're running from all the surrounding towns to beat them to wherever they were going. And when the disciples and Jesus dock their boat, they're swarmed by thousands. The text says that they're rushing about, almost panicked. People are bringing sick people on their mats, and they're laying them at their feet. They're grabbing at their clothing. They're begging for attention, all before the disciples and Jesus could even step foot on dry ground. All things considered, this scene, it feels pretty chaotic, right? The world that they're living in feels chaotic. And of course, it would be. In the previous chapters of Mark, we find out that in their world, these people who are poor and sick and vulnerable, they're usually the first people to get ignored. They're the first people to get picked off by their corrupt and political systems and leaders. And Jesus was perhaps the one leader that they could follow, the one leader that gave them hope. But it was pretty chaotic. And so perhaps that's why Jesus calls the disciples to come away and rest for a while. Even though he does this, I have to imagine that the reaction from the disciples might have been kind of mixed. I think Jesus might have gotten some mixed reactions about his desire to have them come away for a while. As they gathered around Jesus and as some of them began chattering excitedly over all their success, I wonder if others couldn't wait to get away. If there were just too many people, if there was just too much need, if it was so overwhelming. Have you ever walked the streets of Manhattan on like a busy Tuesday afternoon and all the crowds of people, you kind of stop seeing individual faces, it's just a sea of blurriness? I kind of wonder if that's what it was like for the disciples. If they, as they were meeting all these people, their individual interactions with people just started blurring together and maybe Jesus' call to get them away was a more than welcome invitation. But for others, I imagine that this call to come away and rest was more troubling. Come away? Rest? At a time like this, Jesus, there are people in need. There are people who need us to go to them, not go away and rest. To rest now would be complete betrayal of them. It would be lazy. It would be irresponsible, complicity. We can't rest now. You have to go. It's tempting to think that the main point of this text is Jesus' command to rest, to enter into a Sabbath, to get away from all the chaos of busy lives and needy worlds. After all, the only words Jesus utters in this whole passage is come away to a deserted place all by yourselves and rest for a while. And maybe as we hear this teaching of Jesus, maybe we resonate with the reactions of the disciples when we think about what it means to rest in our own lives. Some of us want nothing more than to seize the opportunity to rest whenever we can find it, right? Our lives are busy, and maybe we resonate with the disciples in feeling like we can't can't do one more thing. We can't add one more thing to our agenda. We can't help one more person. We just can't. And so we don't a lot of the time, maybe more often than we care to admit. Others of us, we can't even imagine what it would mean to rest at a time like this, even if ideally we wanted to. People in our lives need us, our families, our children, our work colleagues. We're also living in a time and place where there are overwhelming needs of people, of strangers that are flooding our phones and our TVs all of the time. And the cultural dialogue is that if you don't do something or say something every time you see something, you are complicit. And so we do everything and we try to say everything and we're so tired and despairing and sometimes angry. I wonder if this passage is about more than rest, and more than our human responses to the call to rest, because you know, woven into the parts of the story we read for this morning is also the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people, where Jesus is so moved to compassion for the crowds that he actually puts off rest and feeds and heals them all. Smack dab in the middle of our text that we read for this morning, it's Jesus' actions that are highlighted, and we're told that as Jesus went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began to teach them all sorts of things, not rest. In our text for this morning, Jesus rests and he acts. Sometimes Jesus puts off resting to act, and sometimes he puts off acting to rest, which leads me to believe that this story is about something much deeper than resting or acting. It's actually about both and maybe neither at the same time. It seems to me that in this text and as people of faith, we have to learn to wrestle with a kind of tension, a messy, never quite perfect balance of a call to action and rest, of learning to take care of others, and also ourselves, so that we might become people of compassion in this world. See, in this text, the primary call that I think Jesus gives to his disciples is not to rest or to act, but it is to compassion. And he knew that to be people of compassion that to be people who exercised compassion well, they needed to prioritize both action and rest. Jesus taught us in this passage that compassion is about learning to see people for their value. It's about having the capacity in our spirits to be generous, to open up our lives to others, to journey alongside people who are sometimes very different from us, and to actually create community. Being compassionate means to be attentive and alert to the needs of other people. It means taking care of them and sometimes suffering with them and offering hope and healing where it's needed. But Jesus and the disciples would have never been able to do that. They would have never been able to have the stamina or to bear witness to the possibility of hope for new life in the world if they didn't take time to rest if they didn't take time to take care of themselves and to make room in their lives to notice and to maybe even enjoy all the things in the world that remind them new life is actually possible. Moments when maybe Jesus and the disciples could sit and have a meal with their family and friends and laugh, or go for a walk and actually take time to notice the trees that are coming into bloom after a very long winter, or to give thanks on a quiet evening that the divine source of everything breathed life into him. Jesus needed both rest and action to become a compassionate presence in the world. He needed to take care of himself so that he could take care of others. And what I'm not saying is this. I'm not saying that Jesus rested so that if and when he felt like it, he could be ready to help people. I'm not saying that Jesus rested and used it as an excuse for self-care and to not act in the world when necessary. Jesus rested because he knew that there was a mission of God in the world that he was being called to, and he needed to take care of himself to accomplish it. He needed to become the kind of person who could offer hope and healing in the kind of world they lived in, in the chaos, in the corruption, in the difficulty. I'm finding personally that it takes a long time and a certain kind of wisdom to learn that we can't cultivate compassion without a commitment to both rest and action in our lives of faith. And it takes a kind of wisdom to know when we need to prioritize one over the other in each moment we are given. I'm a little concerned at the frenetic pace we often live because I think it's easy to fall short of compassion. We can become so busy, we can even trick ourselves into thinking that we're accomplishing a lot for others, but I have to wonder if we're really getting anywhere sometimes. In our culture of abundance, I wonder if sometimes the word compassion can become a little bit cheap. I wonder if it becomes a little less about coming alongside others and offering our presence to them, and instead it takes on this tone of pity or the desire to save people, everyone, from their present conditions. We do a lot of really wonderful things. We offer money to really good causes. We run ourselves ragged sometimes trying to help people in need or stand up for what's right. But do we ever stop to be present with people, to get to know them, to invest in them, to look them in the eye and see their value. In our culture of high anxiety and uncertainty and fear over all the needs that we see, I wonder if sometimes our very good impulse is to help other people, in our good impulses, sometimes we jump too quickly to act without really having a clear sense of where we're going or what we're trying to accomplish or who exactly we're helping. And on the flip side, sometimes our good impulse to rest means that we don't act at all. And that we, we give in to the exhaustion because we don't even know where to begin or because we're afraid to act. And sometimes I wonder if our busyness, all our action, sort of just allows us to avoid some of the really important things in our lives that also need compassion, like our health or the relationships that are closest to us, or maybe even the difficult things going on inside of us that we know we need to stop long enough to address. Jesus is calling his disciples this morning in this text to recognize that they are called to be people of compassion, people who meet other people along this journey of life and faith and who offer hope and healing and love, but to do that, they have to have experienced the hope and healing and love first they need to take the time and so I wonder this morning are we people who are committed to compassion are we creating space in our lives to become people who walk compassionately alongside others in this world do we take time out to care for ourselves so that we can offer our best to other people Do we take time to connect with God? Do we find spiritual activities or exercises that help us connect with the divine source of our lives and give thanks? Are we a compassionate church? Do we intentionally seek to live out community with each other? Do we know each other's needs? Do we know each other's names? Do we make room for everyone here no matter who they are? Do we greet each new face that comes into this space who may be looking for community? And do we go out into the world as a church community? Do we go into the needy places that we know of and do we build relationships there? Do we notice the Spirit of God at work there? Do we see the face of Jesus there? Because I think our text this morning is reminding us that that's what it means to be a compassionate disciple. And just like in this text this morning, this text that we read, we are being called to become compassionate disciples, to find that messy balance of acting and resting so that we can go out into the world and offer hope and healing. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our lives are busy. They're busy with so many good things. But sometimes we come here and we're exhausted. Sometimes we come here wishing we'd done things that we hadn't had time to do. God, we want to be your people. We want to stand for hope and healing and love and goodness in the world, God. But sometimes it's hard. The weight of the world, the weight of our lives, it can bear down on us. And so, God, we pray, out, we pray that you would pour out your Holy Spirit on us here. We pray that you would help us to do the work of discerning what it means to live lives of both rest and action to exercise our responsibilities for standing for the needs of others and also standing for our own needs. God, it's a messy business. And we ask that you would pour out your grace and your wisdom on us as we discern this every day. In the name of your Son, we pray. Amen.